Well, good morning, Greenwich, and welcome to the Wednesday, March 15th edition of the Basement Academy. Our morning psalm, Psalm 135. It's a little long, but um, I've always enjoyed this psalm, uh, praying it, reflecting on it. Uh, it reminds us that the Lord does whatever pleases him. And it's not the Lord's pleasure to make us happy all the time, right? He's committed to our holiness more than our happiness, our eternal happiness. Um, and then there's this language about idolatry and those who make the idols become like them, inert and lifeless. So we become like that which we worship. So anyway, Psalm 135. Praise the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise him, you servants of the Lord. You who minister in the house of the Lord, in the courts of the house of our God. Praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Sing praise to his name, for that is pleasant. For the Lord has chosen Jacob to be his own, Israel to be his treasured possession. I know that the Lord is great, that our Lord is greater than all gods. The Lord does whatever pleases him, in the heavens and on the earth, in the seas, and all their depths. He makes clouds rise from the ends of the earth. He sends lightning with the rain and brings out the wind from its storehouses. He struck down the firstborn of Egypt, the firstborn of men and animals. He sent his signs and wonders into your midst, O Egypt, against Pharaoh and all his servants. He struck down many nations and killed mighty kings. Sion, king of the Amorites, and Og, king of Bashan, and all the kings of Canaan. And he gave their land as an inheritance, an inheritance to his people Israel. Your name, O Lord, endures forever. Your renown, O Lord, through all generations. For the Lord will vindicate his people and have compassion on his servants. The idols of the nations are silver and gold made by the hands of men. They have mouths but cannot speak, eyes but they cannot see. They have ears but cannot hear, nor is there breath in their mouths. Those who make them will be like them, and so will all who trust in them. O house of Israel, praise the Lord. O house of Aaron, praise the Lord. O house of Levi, praise the Lord. You who fear him, praise the Lord. Praise be to the Lord from Zion, to him who dwells in Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. Love Psalm 135. I commend that to your own reading, reflection, and prayers. Okay, two questions today, um, both by the same individual. Um, they sent directly to me, so I know who this is, and had a little conversation last Sunday. said, I'm going to get to your questions. Uh, the first is in reflection on or just following up on this essential tenet study uh, that we did uh, several weeks ago. And essentially the question is if the essential tenets are referring to the book of confessions as they do, then why don't I, Don, ever encourage people to study the book of confessions or use them as a, as a study uh, guide or aid in your own uh, following uh, of the Lord and own study of the scripture. Great question. I don't have a good answer. I will make an answer here. <laughs> but 
but I do not have a good answer. It's like, why, why don't I? I should encourage. Now, we say the Apostles' Creed. We say the Nicene Creed that are contained in our Book of Confessions. So I'm holding up the Book of Confessions. Okay, if you're listening on podcast, of course, you can't see this. Um, the Nicene Creed, the Apostles' Creed, those are the two ancient uh, creeds. The Scots Confession, the Heidelberg Catechism, the Second Helvetic Confession, the Westminster Confession of Faith with the shorter catechism and the larger catechism. A catechism is kind of a question-answer format. Um, teaching the faith by a series of questions that then it provides the answers to. So those are the Reformed Confessions from the Scots Confession down through Scots, Heidelberg, Helvetic, Westminster. These grow out of the Protestant Reformation. And then you've got some contemporary statements that the Presbyterian Church has adopted. The Theological Declaration of Barman that comes out of um, the Confessing Church movement in Nazi Germany in the 1930s. The Confession of 1967 speaking to the situation in contemporary America, a brief statement of faith of the Presbyterian Church USA, and then most recently added the Belhar Confession coming out of uh, South Africa and apartheid. And so the Book of Confessions um, are historical statements. They're historically situated, and they're typically speaking to a situation of the day, sometimes to a heresy, and so clarifying, okay, and so trying to clarify what the church believes, or this portion of the church that calls itself Presbyterian, right? Um, uh, in fact, uh, you can you can buy a book of confessions. I mean, you can just Google it. Um, if you go to Amazon, you'll be able to uh, pick one up. Uh, there's a companion piece also by an author named Jack Rogers, and it's just called Presbyterian Creeds, a guide to the Book of Confessions. And it's kind of like in a case study format. It, get, it, it kind of paints the historical backdrop against which that confession or that statement of faith uh, arose or out of which that, uh, that, that, that statement arose. So why don't I encourage you to study the confessions? Probably a little bit because some of them are confusing. Um, there are some nuances of theology that sometimes require guidance. And, and so go, go read the book of Confessions, at least the questioner, if you would go do that <laughs> and start reading. Um, what I have found, you know, both in, so from the pulpit, I, I'm, I'm rarely going to make a reference to, other than maybe to the Apostles' Creed or Nicene Creed. Um, we are saying one question of the Heidelberg Catechism, again, that's contained in our Book of Confessions. So the last couple Sundays um, here in Lent at Greenwich, after the sermon, we, do our af we speak our affirmation of faith. What is your only comfort in life and in death? And then the answer is, again, you know, in the book of confessions and that that's, so as you study that, it, it does help to shape the faith. I, I confess this, this question is going to prompt me <laughs> to, to say, we should probably be doing this more. But what I have learned, you know, from the pulpit, you've got a very wide audience, a lot of different backgrounds. And so, um, 
typically there on Sunday morning, we're going through a, a theme or a topic or a book, and I'm just, you know, focusing in on that. So it would really be more in the Basement Academy, which is, again, something brand new, and very few pastors are doing anything like I'm doing. And I'm, I don't say that in a braggy way. I'm just saying it in a, in a reality. I mean, I didn't do it for 19 years. Now, for three years, you know, I've been doing it. In fact, we're coming up on... I think it's this, on the 19th or 20th, uh, uh, we'll have the three-year anniversary of me doing these uh, daily uh, pastor studies or updates or basement academy. Um, so the classroom is typically where we would teach the confessions, right? If we were to teach them. What, what I have found um, is it's hard enough to get people to pay attention to their Bibles let alone a secondary book, the book of confessions. Now, that sounds like a cop-out, and it probably is. But in my experience at Greenwich and prior to Greenwich, not everybody's doing Bible study. There are, there are plenty who are, but there are many who are not. And so from the pulpit, I'm try I've got a, you know, a 20, 25 minute window of time competing against the culture, competing against, you know, uh, internet and social media and everything around. And so there is just the reality of life. Um, attention spans have gotten shorter, mine as well as yours, right? Um, television and other media do this. Attention spans have gotten shorter. There are more distractions in this world. Uh, in any local church, the theological backgrounds have gotten wider. So it's not like only people with Presbyterian backgrounds come to Greenwich. You know, we've got folks from many different backgrounds, which tends to diminish our understanding of, you know, we don't go deep into one tradition. And so I, I tend to do, you know, I'm trying to do the basics. We're going through the Lord's Prayer, you know. <laughs> I'm doing a thing on grace and judgment. We're going to talk about the Great Commission. We're going to do the Ten Commandments. We're, I feel a need to just go over the basics, which in theory is what a confession's doing. It's grounding us in the basics of our beliefs, but, but they're really deep dives, they are really deep dives. And, and frankly, interest in theology has diminished over time rather than increased. Now, for some, and I'm talking to the Basement Academy, so I'm preaching to the choir now, if you're listening to this or watching this on any regular basis, you have some extended, deeper interest. But the question is, do you take after these 25 minutes, do you go and do 25 more minutes or 35 more minutes or 55 more minutes of study? I hope so you know, but we have responsibilities. And so there's a, there's a patience required and an attentiveness required and a curiosity and a humility required to do study of the Bible or of the confessions. And I just think the world is conspiring against us to undercut all of those. The world that we live in, you know, the, the news, the politics, everything in the day seems to undermine patience and attentiveness and curiosity and humility. Um, many of us, myself included, tend to live a little bit with like, I kind of know what I need to know. 
And I already believe what I believe. And don't you try to convince me otherwise. Now, I, I don't want to sound like a scold because I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not scoldy. I, I, and I'm not feeling scolded by the question. I'm feeling challenged and inspired by the question. Um, and so I'm going to, I'm going to think about this and see if there's ways of, of strengthening when I teach and preach of, of making reference. I think I'm always speaking confessionally that I can always back up what I'm saying either from scripture or within the tradition out of which, you know, into which I've been ordained. So great question. Thank you for that. Um, let me encourage you. Let me begin today to encourage you to study the book of confessions. So It'll look like this or something like this. The Book of Confessions of the Presbyterian Church USA, um, the ECO, this other denomination uh, that's under consideration, uh, an evangelical covenant of Presbyterians, um, has a Book of Confessions too. So it, it similarly has this broad sense of we come out of a theological tradition we don't want to just willy-nilly believe, pick and choose, uh, like at the salad bar, you know, oh, I believe this and I believe that and I believe this thing over there. We want to be consistent uh, in our uh, belief. So anyway, thank you for the, for the question. Um, it, has, it has challenged me and, I, and I'm glad for that. Uh, the second question from the same individual uh, in follow-up to talking about the visible and invisible church, again, out of our essential tenet study. I'm sorry, no, I, that was out of our, our um, that was one of the questions that happened earlier a couple weeks ago. Um, referenced Romans chapter 5. Now, the, the question was much larger than that, and there were several other questions, but at the end, what it basically said is, what's my take? on Romans chapter 5, verses 18 and 19. I'm going to try to do this quickly. I'm going to run out of time, I think. And so, consequently, Paul says, just as the result of one trespass was condemnation for all men, talking about Adam, so also the result of one act of righteousness was justification that brings life for all men, talking about the, the death of Jesus Christ. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. So, it's a, it's a, uh, so thank you. This is somebody who's reading their Bible. Um, this sounds a lot like universalism, that as through Adam all have sinned and are condemned under sin, so through Jesus Christ, all are saved. And so it certainly has the, the, the sound of universalism. And I believe the question had to do with, uh, underneath it was, are all saved, but some just don't know it? And is that one way of thinking about the visible and invisible church? You know, there's some who know it and some who, who don't know it. Um, it it's It's... This is a couple verses in a much larger, fairly dense and pretty um, challenging theological argument that Paul is making. He's really stretching back. It's in the context of Jew and Gentile alike 
have sinned. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And when Paul's saying that, he's not just saying, all, he, but, but what he's trying to say is there, there was some belief that the Gentiles are the sinners. But Paul is saying, but we Jews have sinned too. Just because we're the chosen doesn't mean we haven't sinned. And so there was this bifurcation as God set Abraham's family apart. He did so because he was going to work salvation through Abraham's family. He's going to work salvation relationally. And that over time, through Abraham's family, he's going to bring forth the Savior. Okay, And then the gospel is going to go. Salvation is going to come to all peoples. So he set up a division in order to bring about a greater unity. Okay, And so when Paul's speaking about all... He's talking about Jew and Gentile. The Jew and Gentile all, as opposed to just Jews. So to, to put this in a different context, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. And we go, yeah, we got that. That's in the context of Jesus speaking to Nicodemus. Nicodemus, a Pharisee, member of the Jewish ruling council, if you remember the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the, the, the religious uh, elite, they think that Jesus, that, I mean, that God only cares for the Jews. And so John 3, 16, God so loved the world, Nicodemus. He didn't just love the Jews. He just didn't love Abraham. He loved the entire world. So all makes this reference to Jew and Gentile alike. Okay. So, so that's, that's one piece I would make. Um, uh, prior to chapter 5, um, Paul writes about Abraham is the father of all who believe. He's not just the father of ethnic Israel. He's the father of all who believe, whether or not they're descended from Abraham or not. So he is the Gentile father. So Gentiles see Abraham as father by faith. We are the children of promise, not children by descent, by genealogy. And so this, um, so what Romans 5, 18 and 19 are doing, it sounds like universalism. It's not. Because there are those who will be eternally separated from God. Paul labors that, that his readers, the churches that he's caring for, the people he's writing to, not find themselves in that place of separation from God. And so what, what Paul's doing in Ephesians 5, 18 and 19, he's, he's setting up this kind of vicarious, we have a vicar, we have a representative. Adam represented humanity and all humanity fell. Jesus represents the new humanity, the new creation. So Adam is the is, is the first of creation. Jesus is the firstborn of the new creation. Now, Paul doesn't say that here, but he says it in, um, in Colossians, the firstborn of the new creation. And so Jesus is the head of the new humanity that, that uh, Paul has written about in like Ephesians 2. His purpose was to make one new man out of the two, out of Jew and Gentile alike. He's going to make one new race of people, one new humanity, one new tribe, as it were. 
And so that's that's what Paul's doing here. He's 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 more lifting up first Adam, last Adam, or first Adam and second Adam, right? So Adam is representative through Adam, all have sinned. Through Christ, all who believe in Christ, all who believe in Christ will be justified, whether Jew or Gentile. That's more the sense, I believe, of what Paul's getting at when he says all are justified, Jew and Gentile are justified through Jesus. It's not Jews are justified by the law and Gentiles are justified by Jesus. Jew and Gentile alike are justified or reconciled uh, through Jesus. So anyway, um, I, I'm going to stop there just because it's a much larger and longer discussion that would require a study of the book of Romans, which probably is a future basement academy. But um, again, appreciate that, you know, the connection with a visible and invisible church. I, I don't believe everybody's saved. I don't think that everybody who ever has attended a church is necessarily by definition going to be saved, sadly, but, but I think that's true. Um, that the salvation comes through Jesus and, and, and through justification. It's through his blood and belief in his blood and his sacrifice and his resurrection that one comes into a saving relationship. And that person becomes part of the visible church, but also the invisible church. So anyway, hope this hasn't been confusing. I fear it has been a little bit, um, but let me close here and we'll take on another question tomorrow, okay? Let's pray. Father, thank you that where we are unclear around these scriptures, you are clear. Uh, the lack of clarity is in us. And so, Lord, uh, take anything I've said that is unhelpful, unwise, unholy, uh, blow it away with the wind of your Spirit. Cause that which is good and true uh, to abide within us. And may we always bring forth a fruit from your Word through your Spirit, a fruit that remains to your glory. And so watch over us as we walk into this new day, praying in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray together, saying, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. May God strengthen you in your study of his word. May God strengthen you through your prayers and in your Christian fellowship. May God strengthen you as you participate in the sacraments. May God bless you and keep you this day and forevermore. Amen.